0: Welcome to Do You Have Scripture for That? This is Clay Garrison. Today I want to talk about specialized ignorance. Now that's a very specific topic, very specialized topic. Uh, uh, but the the point of wanting to talk about this is kind of in light of recent events. Everybody's joking on on Facebook about... Um, you know, not being able to define what a woman is because I'm not a biologist and there's a lot behind that statement. Um, and once again, I'm not really looking to get into the politics of, of all of that. Uh, but I do want to get into the educational side of things and and how that statement reflects something about our education process and, um, how we think about knowledge in general, so I want to get into that. Uh, so this I titled this Specialized Ignorance for a Reason, um, because we're seeing these people who are supposed to be super specialized in a field claiming ignorance of any basic facts of any other field, in air quotes. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So first off, before we get into scripture, uh, a scriptural argument for things, I want to kind of just set forth a, a summary, I guess, of... Of recent uh i guess developments in knowledge and things like that so if if we if we think just over the past several hundred years there has been a rapid increase in knowledge um you know, especially since uh probably like the enlightenment period um especially the industrial revolution uh things of that nature you know historical events and and periods of times that we've seen has has seemed to propel us forward with more and more information, more and more uh ability to process information. Uh, you think about the the printing press that was invented uh in the early 1500s that that helped provide so many reading materials and was able to spread knowledge further and cheaper uh and just just there's just this rapid expansion of knowledge and we see that now. It's every day there are there are so many you know millions and millions and millions of, of words of of new material that is constantly being put out, constantly pushing in knowledge in all of these areas and with this rapid increase in knowledge, there came a more specialized approach to higher education. So what do I mean by that? If you think about your degree programs, whenever you go to a four year college four year university, um, most people they have a a very specific degree that they that they're majoring in. And that degree is centered around courses that are specialized toward that degree. And so if we think about, for example, a biology degree, all of the classes, you know, according to what kind of university you go to, um, most universities, that the majority of the classes around that degree, around that program, are specialized towards biology. And that, you know, if if you're a biology major, these classes are going to be specialized around that. So whenever that person gets out of school and has their biology degree they're going to have a lot of knowledge about biology, but they're not going to have a lot of knowledge about English literature or uh, or history or mathematics you know they' they're going to have this small amount of knowledge in those areas because they might have taken one or two classes in them as a as a general requirement or just what they had from high school, but they're going to have a super specialized knowledge in biology. And so you might be asking, well, what is the issue with that? That's kind of the whole reason we go to college. Well, in recent years, that's the reason why we seem to go to college, is to get this specialized area of knowledge so that we can get a specific job. But in the past, it wasn't like that. In the past, you had university programs that were meant to educate students over a broad area of knowledge. Um, One example that comes to mind is uh, one of the greatest American theologians, Jonathan Edwards, back in the 1700s. Uh, when he went to school, uh, you know, in, in all of these early programs like Yale, Princeton, you know, all of these Ivy League schools that we have now were originally universities that were founded by the Puritans that were meant to train up ministers for the church. So you got all these Ivy League schools that now are just these these huge hubs of secular thought, used to be uh, faithful to God's word and and producing ministers for the gospel in America and you know Jonathan Edwards was trained up in one of these and uh an example of this breadth of knowledge is that they had to study uh natural sciences um they had to study not you know not only their theology and things like that they had to study multiple languages they had to study natural sciences there was just these large areas of study that they had to that they had to do because honestly in the in the new world you know America was still growing at that time uh a lot of your scientists people who you know wrote books on nature and studying uh the things that were going on in the world were the ministers of the churches because they were the ones getting this broad education uh in the in the universities at that point in time and so you saw that in in the past when we didn't have such an abundance of knowledge not that they didn't have a lot of knowledge then I think that's a error that we have in our mindset that they were just dumb and uninformed, you know, they had a lot of a lot of knowledge and a lot of information then, uh but they didn't have so much that they had to specialize in a specific area. Their university programs were this broad scope sort of thing. And that was the whole idea behind a university if you break that word down, unity and diversity. That goes back to our uh our very First or second episode where a uh, second episode where we talked about the one and the many uh th- that's part of what the university was meant to address is is how you could have these diverse subjects of knowledge that were all unified and they were unified in Christ they were unified in in the God of creation, and that's where all these all these knowledge that all this knowledge that we see diverse uh diversified all throughout creation we find them centered in Christ, and made for Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that's where that word comes from, university, unity and diversity. So it, it was meant to find the unity among the diversity of knowledge areas. So it's a university. So in recent years, we've devalued this general education, which produced critical thinking for all of life, and replaced it with specialized training for smaller and smaller subsets of knowledge. So we can see that today that that even though we know more now, even though we have people that are more specialized in their fields, we see a lack of critical thinking because people aren't broadly educated over a over a great breadth of knowledge. So that's why you have somebody who can be nominated for Supreme Court and going through these these hearings and say that she, you know, obviously there's politics behind this, but say that she can't define what a woman is because she's not a biologist, and so we see this played out. We see this that that if we don't have this specialized knowledge in this field, then we can't speak to that field. We can't think critically about any topic that we haven't been specially uh, trained in. Uh, you know, that we haven't received this specialized training in, and so what we see is that all of this is giving way to the rise of the experts everyone has their own field of specialized knowledge and nobody can question their assertions with this set up the the keys the air quote the keys to knowledge are in the hands of those who get to choose the experts and so we i mean we have seen that time and time again over the past several years is that whenever the experts speak on a topic you're not allowed to question that. You're not allowed to think critically about this field because you don't have that specialized training. You know, not not to mention the fact that that everybody has a responsibility to think through things and to have this general knowledge of of many different subjects so that we can think critically and not just blindly accept what people say because they're they claim to be experts. And so we have this feeling that well, we can't speak outside of our field. Um we can't speak to anything, but the problem is is that if if you are specialized in your field and you can't say anything uh constructive or or honestly destructive you know if, if if you can't say anything for or against anything outside of your field, then you can't really contribute to the world itself you know you can't everything that we know is interconnected uh things come together for example. If somebody makes um if somebody makes automobiles they have to know things about physics to make an automobile they also have to know things about chemistry to make an automobile so if you are making those cars and trucks and all of these different things but you can't interact with people who um people who do chemistry or people who do uh who study physics and things like that if if you have to keep all these things separate then you're not going to make a very good car. But whenever we come together and integrate all of these things, and we're allowed to question each other and interact with each other and, and have this broad general knowledge um, across many fields, that's when we can get things done. So here's our question that we're going to deal with today, is how are we to think about this predicament, and do we have scripture for it? Is there a way that we should be thinking about knowledge that that should transform how we educate people and how society functions um, and educates people as they are as they are being brought up um what should higher education actually look like and so, I would like to rest a case for general critical thinking on some biblical principles so i'm I'm trying to argue for this uh the need and the priority for general knowledge over a broad area of subjects as opposed to specialized knowledge you know without that general base so Let's look at some passages of scripture to to try to make a case for this. So first, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter one, and honestly, most most arguments that you make from scripture are going to find their root in Genesis, in the beginnings. So uh, we'll we'll probably go to Genesis time and time again. But I want you to go to Genesis chapter one and look at verses twenty six through twenty eight. This is where uh, this is where God creates mankind in His image. So I want you to read what, or listen for what the role of man is, what we are to be about, what we are to be doing, what God created us to do. So verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth so what we see here is that man is made in the image of God and being made in the image of God means that he is to represent God's rule and reign on the earth and so man's role is to have dominion over every square inch of creation as a representative of God. That's why God made man in his image, to image him over this creation so that God might receive, so that God would receive the glory for it and that we would be able to represent that dominion over all of the earth. That's why we're told to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, so that every square inch of the earth would be covered by God's image bears, subduing the earth for his glory. And so dominion over everything, if you look at that list of things uh, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then if you kept reading chapter one, he, he talks about all the trees and, and fruit and things like that have been given for food. And so there's, there's this breadth of knowledge that we see at creation that God made Adam Adam and Eve, God made mankind to have dominion over every square inch of creation I mean that's that, that's the point of making those lists. That's a Hebrew way of saying each and everything that's been created, everything under the sun, I've made you to have dominion over those things, to exercise control, exercise oversight, to use those things to build to build up to build culture, to build society all of these things to build up for my glory, for God's glory. And so that's why he made man, and that dominion requires knowledge. If you don't know stuff about about trees and about plants and things of that nature, then you're not going to be able to cultivate them to produce food to be able to feed yourself. If you don't know things about animals and how they function, you're not going to be able to domesticate them to serve purposes uh of work and and things like that to serve as pets you know all of these different things now these are just examples this can apply to every area um that we're supposed to practice dominion over if you don't know how fish work if you don't know how they school or how they uh you know have have beds and 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 lay eggs and all all of that stuff then you don't know where to look to fish for them and and things of that nature so what we see is that dominion requires knowledge so, while every individual isn't going to practice dominion over every square inch, as in you know one man Adam wasn't going to have dominion over every single square inch of all the earth, that's why he was required to multiply to fill the earth, so that as a group mankind could have dominion over all the earth, which you know so so every individual isn't going to have dominion over every square inch, but mankind is to collectively have dominion. By each individual having dominion in every area of their lives. And so that might have sounded convoluted, but here's what I'm getting at. Is that one man can't have dominion over the entire earth. Like, we, we can't stretch that far. You know, we're finite creatures. We can't cover the entire earth and have dominion over every square inch of it. But by multiplying, we can spread over all of the earth and each individual can exercise dominion in every area of their life, exercise godly dominion in every area of their life, so that if everyone on the earth were doing that, then the entire earth we could we could have dominion over the entire earth for god's glory and it we we could get into more details, I think that would be the topic of another I actually wrote a blog series about this, but um Seeing that you know man spreading over all of the earth and, and filling it with God's glory, that that that's God's intention for creation is to fill all of creation with His glory, and He cho His chosen to do that through His image bearers practicing dominion over all of the earth. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned and failed, you know there were complications in that, and that's part of what Christ has has restored us to is to restore us to a rightful dominion, um and. We'll kind of see that a little bit later. So that's that's the foundation right there. Is that you have all of this breadth of knowledge that God's saying that you're to have dominion over, and you know we're to collectively as a group of people exercise dominion in all these areas of knowledge, and we're to interact with each other and to and to shape this world for the glory of God. So I want to look at another area. Uh, this is in First Kings. Chapter four. We're going to talk about Solomon for a little bit. Um, you know, most people know who Solomon is. The Lord asked him uh what he wanted basically at the beginning of his reign, and instead of riches and power and all of this, Solomon asked to have wisdom so that he could rule his people well. And the idea of ruling being connected to exercising dominion, and so we see that there's this connection that, that Solomon is seen as this um, this ideal, this ideal of, of wisdom that we should look at, that we should uh in a sense seek to emulate that you know, Saul or, or not Saul, Solomon is is seen as the wisest individual that ever lived. I would argue, you know, except for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So you know he's he's seen as this ideal before he turns away uh his wives turns his heart away uh from the Lord. But I want to I want to look at this because uh, this is set forth as an ideal, almost. You know, this honestly is set forth as the Lord accomplished uh, what He promised to Israel in the reigns of David and Solomon. Uh, to an extent, they didn't fully accomplish it, but it was accomplished uh, to a to a great extent that they did have peace. So I want to I want to read this, and I want you to listen for for several different things in this. So just just listen. First uh, Kings chapter four, verses twenty, starting at verse twenty. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand of, by the sea. So there's a promise fulfilled to Abraham right there. They were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. There was happiness. That's A lot can be said for that. You know, most of us would love to be happy as a nation. Solomon ruled, there's the idea of dominion, ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So this was the greatest extent that Israel ever reached as far as land-wise. Solomon's provision for one day was thirty cords of fine flour and sixty cords of meal. Ten fat oxen and twenty pasture-fed cattle, a hundred sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. For he had dominion, there's our word, for he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates from Tif- Tifsa to, Ge- to Geza over all the kings west of the Euphrates, and he had peace on all sides around him, and Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig- tree, all the days of Solomon. Solomon also had forty thousand stalls of horses for his chariots and twelve thousand horsemen. And those officers supplied provisions for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table, each one in his month. They let nothing be lacking. Barley also and straw for the horses and swift steeds they brought to the place where it was required, each according to his duty. And so we notice from that, that section right there that there was great prosperity because of Solomon's rule, because of the way that Solomon practiced dominion over his area of life. Verse 29 and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Heman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He he spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. So several things that we should notice is that the people were happy in Solomon's day. There was great fruitfulness. Solomon is presented as the man with the most wisdom in all the world. We saw in verse 24 that Solomon had dominion. That was our word that we were looking at. Solomon practiced godly dominion in the, in that time period that he had. Verse 29, God gave Solomon breadth of mind, not just depth. And so we see that principle that we're trying to argue for is that this this ideal that God has set forth of, of wisdom, this ideal of wisdom and understanding that all of God's people should have is a wisdom that has breadth of understanding. It's, uh, Solomon had had knowledge in tons of different areas, and, and this is broad range of areas. Uh, verse 33 really lays this out. I want you to remember, back in Genesis 1, when God said that Adam was to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, uh, the beast, all, all of these areas. Remember the list that he had. Now, verse 33 in, in 1 Kings 4, we see that, Solomon spoke of trees, beasts, birds, reptiles, and fish. And I don't think this is just a coincidence. It's, it's an obviously going back to Genesis 1, saying that every area that Adam and Eve were meant to have dominion over, Solomon had wisdom in all of those areas, which attributed to his success in practicing faithful dominion over the people of Israel, which attributed to their success, to their happiness to their being blessed by God because they were practicing proper dominion, godly dominion over their lives, specifically Solomon, who had this wisdom. And so that's what we see, and that's, that's what I'm trying to argue for, is that while we do have all of this specialized knowledge now, while there is this great abundance of information, our priority should still be to educate people in a broad sense, in a breadth of knowledge so that people can be good stewards of knowledge over many areas of life. Now, are we going to be able to go as in-depth as a specialized person? No. But the problem is, is that we try to do all this specialization in four years, or maybe eight years if you're doing masters and all these extra programs. But we try to do all of this specialization right there at the beginning, before there's a foundation of this general knowledge. And so we, sh- we should honestly be-, be founding people in this general education and teaching them to think critically across many fields so that the rest of their life, they can be lifelong learners. Um, I mean, this this should be something that Christians should be standing on, is that we should be rooting all of our knowledge, all of this in Christ as the foundation, and that we should be able to think critically over many different fields. And then as we live our lives, I mean... If you think about it if, I mean, if you live to eighty years old, then you know you get out of college or university or whatever you know twenty two years old you've got sixty years worth of knowledge gaining that you can have so that you can better practice dominion in the area that God has put you in, so instead of specializing in knowledge in school. You get a general foundation, you get, you get the groundwork laid across many areas, a broad scope of knowledge, become a critical thinker across those broad areas, and then wherever God puts you in life, you can apply that general foundation to become specialized where God needs you to be. Whereas if you become specialized before, if you get the biology degree and you're specialized in biology and the Lord takes you and puts you in a totally different area, now you're not you know, stuck out in left field wanting to know, well well how do I practice dominion here? I haven't been trained for this. If you had the general knowledge and the the critical thinking skills across that general knowledge, then you could be put in any location in life and thrive and be able to practice dominion in a godly way. So the last set of verses I want to look at um before we wrap this up is Colossians one fifteen through seventeen and then chapter two one through three. So if you'll turn there, I want to consider something as, as believers in how we're grounding this knowledge and, and what all of this knowledge is for, because this isn't just for us to know things and for us to boast in knowledge, it's for a purpose. So let's look at uh, Colossians one fifteen through 17, and this is talking about Christ. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And so when this says all things, it is talking about all things. Every single thing in creation was created by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. And so all these things are being held together in him. He is actively holding creation together. When the wind blows, it is at Christ's command. When gravity works, it is at Christ's command. Gravity is, is Christ's consistent means of keeping us on the ground. You know, We call it the law of gravity. It is Christ working and holding all things together. It is him upholding all things by the word of his power. And so all of these things are being held together in him. All of, things, all of these things are made for him, which means that whenever we're practicing dominion over this creation, and we need the knowledge to practice dominion over it, then all of that should be done for his glory, and all of it should be founded in him. If, if he's the one who made it all, and it was made through him and by him, then that means that he should be the foundation of that knowledge, that we should have a right knowledge of Christ as we're getting a right knowledge of this creation. Just like whenever you're studying a, a piece of equipment or, or things like that you know it helps to know the Creator the Creator can help you properly use the equipment that he designed and that he made to be used and so we should know the Creator as we're learning the creation because they are tied together so what's the other verse of uh, Colossians two one through three and this really verse three is the key verse I want to hit on Paul saying, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, so saying, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so all wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. It is found in In Christ, and Christ is the foundation of all of that knowledge. And so, what we see finally is that if we are to rightly practice dominion and learn how to apply scripture to all of life, we're going to need a breadth of knowledge that has the potential for depth when the situation calls for it. So, if we want to be able to apply scripture to all of life, if God's word is to have a bearing on every aspect of our life, we have to have an understanding of every aspect of our lives. If we want to know what the Bible says about economic policies, then we're going to have to understand something about economics in order for us to look in the Bible and find areas where the Bible can apply to economics. If we want the Bible to apply to our education standards, then we need to have an understanding of how education works. We need to look in the Bible to see how education works, and then we need to be able to make the proper applications where they need to be made. And this applies to every single field. You have to know something. God has general revelation. He has revealed himself through his creation and revealed his truth through his creation. And so we have to be rooted in that. We have to look and see, well, what is God teaching us through general revelation? And we need to learn those things through the lens of his special revelation, through his word that he's given us. And so whenever we take those two things together, we can apply that special revelation to the general revelation that we find and that we learn, you know that's why people can have knowledge that aren't believers is that God is revealing himself through creation as well, and so all knowledge is rooted in god's revelation. If God didn't reveal anything to us, we would have absolutely no knowledge. We need his revelation, whether that be general revelation in in his creation um or 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 within our hearts, you know our, our inner being, how he testifies to himself within us, or that special revelation that we find written down for us in Scripture, Um, all these things come together for us to have knowledge. We see that Christ is the source and foundation of all knowledge. He is the Word. He is God's revelation. He is the source and foundation of all knowledge, and our knowledge should be properly related back to him. And any expert who rejects this must be questioned they they've if 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 we have an expert who is rejecting Christ as the foundation of all knowledge, then they have no footing to stand on they have no reliable source of knowledge, and so what they're claiming should be questioned on the basis of what we've talked about on the basis of them needing a foundation for their knowledge because if they can't account for their knowledge, then what do they have you know if if your knowledge can't be justified, then it's not true knowledge it's just you know of a belief and so this is the foundation that we need we need this this general broad scope education we need this you know like solomon had we need this general knowledge over all of creation so that we can apply god's word to be able to practice faithful dominion over every aspect of life and this is how you can have a judge who can make decisions on areas that are outside of their field areas outside of specifically law type things. Because to, to exercise law and to exercise dominion rightly, you're going to need knowledge over many different aspects, many different fields to be able to make decisions and to be able to practice wisdom and to practice understanding and to practice that dominion that God has given us as mankind to have for his glory. So I hope we've we've learned something today. I hope we would think through this and how this affects our life and how we educate and think through topics, um, and 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 what we push for. Like if if you have children, push them towards. There there are colleges. Uh, usually they're called liberal arts colleges. That doesn't mean that they're liberal in the, um, in the 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 sense of having bad theology or things like that. They are liberal in the sense of an older way of of thinking about having a classical education, where it's it's spread across you know, you have this general knowledge that we're talking about. But there are liberal arts colleges that still practice this general knowledge over large areas and a growth in critical thinking. And so I would encourage you, look for things like that. Encourage your children to to think along those lines so that they are educated in a way that's going to be useful for the kingdom of God. So this has been You Have Script for, for Scripture for that. Uh, I hope that that these principles that we talked about presented a, a good argument for us and and thinking along these lines this has been clay garrison and i hope you guys have a wonderful day bye